Welcome back to Are You For Real? Are you still listening? Are you still listening? But this one you guys are going to actually want to listen to because this is not just me and Kira bullshitting each other the whole time. Those are Finally. the best ones. They are good. The best but, ones. So today I have Kira. You guys know Kira. And Megan. Megan, is it Peterson or Patterson? Ha 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 ha. Kira, did you tell her that? No. Oh, Peterson. No. He's just being a normal person. <laughs> Be normal. Be nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we have Kira and Megan here because... Megan had a health situation and it's one of the wildest rides I've ever heard about. Um, and I just thought it was very interesting for our guest as well, because Kira, as you guys know, is a nurse practitioner in her, um, her high, her real life. She moonlights as an artist. Mm -hmm. Um, but you have to be such an advocate for your own health. And that was yes. something you just kept reiterating over and over. You were like, I don't know what Megan would do if I was not here to explain things to her. And I mean, I just remember like when my mom was sick with cancer and Kay was sick with cancer, it was like, you just really don't know what's going on unless you are in the medical industry. Yeah. Um, so uh, Megan, why don't you tell us a little bit how like it just, it first started. So I woke up one morning and I had the most insane headache, like right behind my eyes. I was throwing up, couldn't keep anything down. Um, I've never felt this sick before in my life. And it went on for five days. I couldn't see, I couldn't eat anything, couldn't drink anything. It just, it was the most excruciating pain. And um, I would have gone to the emergency room a lot sooner, but I physically could not, like, I would have had to call an ambulance. I could not get out of bed. So by day six, I actually did drive myself to an ambulance at four, or drive myself room. to the emergency room at 4 a.m. And that's when I realized how bad my vision was. I almost wrecked into the Roper Mountain, uh, the... What's the East? Co what's the name of the hospital? Mm -hmm. um, we have Roper and East Cooper. In Roper, yeah. yeah. The the entrance sign of Roper. I literally. Why did you not took it found out. a friend like day two? It was, well, because well, <laughs> I'd been talking with Kira actually. Well, um, she did, well she was like down, and a, a lot of it also is not. I mean, it's just like that Megan lives by herself. Yeah. And so you don't really like think about things like that until, so like she doesn't want to be a bother to anyone, right. obviously. And so then like, I'd been checking on her like every day, like, how are you doing? Cause she was saying she had a migraine. Mm. And so then I was asking her every day, like, how are you? And then she, I think I was actually working night shift maybe. And you were like, Oh, I drove to the ER this morning. Yeah, it was, well, I'd been out of work. And so I just felt terrible. I'm like, I can't miss another day without saying, Okay, I've gone to the doctor, mm -hmm. but I knew it wasn't a doctor situation. I just knew something was really wrong, but a migraine, I kind of added up to all the symptoms. And really when I went into the emergency room, that's what right. they diagnosed me with. They were like, oh, classic migraine signs, throwing up, double vision, not feeling well. And I'm like, I'm 37. I've never had a migraine in my life. Is that normal? And they said, well, it can happen. So I do a CT scan, um, and they say that's clear, and they hook me up to an IV and say, okay, well, you've, you've had a migraine on your merry way. So I'm texting with Kira. And so you just, drive home from that? Yeah. Drive, well, my parents actually were in town for vacation, so they picked me up. You're not allowed to drive. They had given me, like, a lot of medication. So I was finally feeling better, but really in better, I was just keeping food and water down mm -hmm. because of the medication they gave me at the emergency room. Um, so I made an appointment with my primary 
primary physician, and it was really just because I thought, well, okay, now I have migraines, and I can't do that again without some serious medication right. because I was out cold. So I made an appointment with my doctor, and I'm explaining to her what happened, and she just says, you know, this doesn't sound right. Like, And I've been seeing her for years. She's like, this just doesn't sound right. I'm going to schedule you for an MRI. And just to be on the safe side, and she did. She gave me some migraine medication and some stuff. She's like, but let's just check things out. Really was not thinking that much about it. That day, went and got an MRI, came back home, laid down um, to take a nap, and I see that my doctor is calling me. And um, Sorry. No, it's okay. Um, I see that my doctor is calling me, and I answer, and she's like, hey, Megan, um, you know, I didn't want you to worry all night about the results of your MRI, and I'm thinking to myself, well, I wasn't worried at all. I was like, yeah. literally just gonna, you know, go to sleep. Um, and she goes, well, um, I talked to the radiologist, and they believe that this is metastatic melanoma of the brain. I mean, and what did you like in that moment? Were you just like, what? You were by yourself too, I right? I was by myself. Well, to bring it back to me, as we <laughs> of did. Of course. <laughs> I was picking up Manny from the groomer, also as Always. we do. My dog goes to the groomer all the time. And Megan just sends me a picture of the read of the thing. And it says like, well, it said two differentials, but one of them was like most likely um, metastatic melanoma of the brain. And then she wouldn't pick up the fucking phone. Okay, well, here is <laughs> the background is, okay, yes, when I was being told this, I instantly knew that I was going into shock and panic. So I told my primary care physician, I said, I hear you, but I know that I can't understand you. And I know that I'm not going to understand this later. I have to get my mother on the phone. Can you hold on Who's a minute? Who's also a nurse. Who's been a nurse and been in the RN, uh, a registered nurse for 40 years. Mm-hmm. So I three-way in my mother have my doctor tell her the news who's at Folly Beach your mom's at Folly Beach my mom's mm-hmm. at Folly Coincidentally. Beach coincidentally who lives in Greenville okay. mm-hmm. and she goes oh fuck and hung up the phone your mom did yes was that because she was getting in the car to come to you no that was because <laughs> she was in absolute paralyzing shock of knowing being in the medical field unfortunately yeah. she knew how devastating So then you're just still on the line? Yes, with my doctor. My mom has hung up. And Megan and her mother are also very codependent. That's a different podcast. But, you know, (laughs) like this really, her mother is someone that, like, always has to be in control, always gets shit done. And, like, she lost it. But she's also my best friend. Absolutely. I talk to her every single day. She's my my hero, like Mm -hmm. my person that she's the reason why I'm like, okay, we got a three way in my mother. She's going to save me from this. Mm -hmm. There's no way this is happening. Right. Right. That was kind of my, you say, what was my reaction? It was, I want my mom. Yeah. My mom's going to make this so much better. This, this can't be real. And then she hangs up the phone. (laughs) So she ends up calling back and she's instantly trying to get me to Greenville because my mom's a nurse in Greenville and has a lot of connections there. And this is about the time, though, that I text Kira, because Kira was checking in mm-hmm. on me every day. And you weren't saying it, but I think you weren't believing it was a migraine either. Like, you and David kind of had some of your own theories, because I'd just been so, so sick for mm-hmm. days and yeah. days. So I text Kira, I'm like, uh, yeah, got the results, 
and it says melanoma. She starts calling, and then she says, you can't not answer my phone calls after giving me this news. And I wrote back, yes, I can. I am speechless because I could not, I couldn't speak. But to her credit, she was calling my mom, calling my family. Where is Megan? I'm going to her house. I actually saw Kira first before I saw anyone else in my family. Um, We didn't talk on the phone. I texted her and I said, um, you know, I hadn't been drinking, but now that they say I'm dying, uh, you want to grab some (laughs) wine? And lo and behold, she shows up with... All of this wine, and I remember she looked at me and gives me this big hug, and she goes, you don't look sick. <laughs> Such a cure thing and I And I'm sobbing, and she's like, I don't know what is wrong, but we are going to get through this together. Aww. And you I... You are such a good friend. <laughs> I mean, and seriously, I had no idea how truthful that statement was because, again, I was waiting on my mom to come in on this white horse and actually it was Kira who came in on the white horse (laughs) and saved me um and no offense to my mother it was just she couldn't be a nurse in that moment she had to be a mother yeah and unfortunately she knew and I also knew I didn't have to google it I actually had a friend who passed away um from melanoma the second it went to his brain he was gone within two months Mm -hmm. so everyone kept saying stay off the internet stay off the internet I didn't have to stay off the internet. I already knew I was given a death sentence. Mm -hmm. And also looking at my mother's face when she walked into my house, it was written all over her face that I was going to die. And um, see, that was probably the worst part of the whole thing was just watching her not be able to do anything for me. And I love my mom so much and she was hurting so badly and I was just like, I hate that I'm doing this to her. I wish, like, what did I do wrong? What did I miss? Did I miss some weird, you know, why why is this happening to me? It was just, it was was horrific. It was horrific. Um, And uh, so my mom, my dad, and Kira and I are sitting around my dining room table and my mom's trying to get me to Greenville. And someone asked me, it might have been Kira, it might have been my dad, I don't really remember, um, they said, well, where do you want to be? Finally, someone asked me a question. <laughs> and I said, I want to be in Charleston. And I was, I kind of felt like I was picking where I was going to die. But um, that's where my house is, my dog, my job, my friends. Um, Greenville's my hometown, but that's not, I haven't lived there in 13, you know, gosh, add on Clemson, you know, 20 years. Like, I love Greenville, but I didn't want to go back there if this is my last hurrah, if you will, I wanted to be in Charleston, which with my mom being in the medical field, I think that kind of crushed her a little bit because all of her connections are in Greenville. That was where comes your, your white knight. Yes. My white knight, (laughs) Kira. Um, and, and, and I will, I'm so thankful that someone did ask me because I was just thinking, I'm going to go with whatever my mom tells me to do. I'm going to go to Greenville. Kira later said that she was not going to let me go to Greenville over her dead body. Yeah. They I would like, have to run to her to over. Duke, where I was like, we're not going down a level. Like, so, we're what was, say, so what was the next step? So you're sitting at the table. So we're like sitting at the table and Megan's like, I cannot do this. Like, I'm a baby. I cannot handle this. Because I, because everyone, you know, I think the thing is like, and like to me, like I'm such a like person that's like, I'll fucking fight anything and anyone, you know? So I'm like, if this was me, like I'd be like, 
okay, let's go. And like, usually people are like, oh, she's such a fighter. And Megan's like, I'm, I'm not, not a fighter. fighter. <laughs> <laughs> no. And so like, I grabbed Megan's hand and I was like, I said, we're going to find out what this is. If it is like a death sentence, we'll sell your house. I'll quit my job. We'll travel till you die. And I was like, but you cannot put your head in the sand and like not live your life. Like I was like, you're not going to bury your head in the sand because you don't want to deal with this. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to figure out what it is. And she was just, she was very upset because she's like, I don't have a husband. I don't have children. Who's going to take care of me? And like, (laughs) I really took that to heart. (laughs) You did. You really did. Because I was like, I'm going to fucking take care of you. You are not going to be alone. And that is not even a lie. And she really, I mean, we made sure that she was never alone for like weeks. Not even for like a day. Like we had people come from. Months. Like my mom at one point was like, are they ever going to (laughs) leave? And I remember telling my mom, well, mom, I'd rather have that than no one because through this journey I saw so many people alone which is we'll get to that but yeah no Kira was just like you're not going down without fighting fuck this and if you are dying we're going out having fun yeah um this is (laughs) literally a ride or die experience um which and and in the moment she's right I wish I could have been that person that um, was like, oh, I can do anything. I can take this on. But I, I, I melted into just I think I would melt, fear. too. I was like, I, I don't, I'm not this strong. I can't do this. I, I don't have the energy. I'm not, I'm not that person. I just, I felt so, um, I don't know the words. I, I, I felt like I just couldn't. There's absolutely no way I could do this. Yeah. And but unfortunately, when you're told this information, you don't have a choice. So many people would say, "You're so strong." I'm like, "I'm not strong." If someone said, "Pick A, B, C, D, E, F, G," I wasn't picking this one. Mm-hmm. Hey, sign me up for melanoma yeah. brain cancer. So then, so then what- we. So then we. Um, you know, so we're consoling Megan, calling everyone, trying to figure out what to tell everyone. And like, so the initial different, there was two differential. It said highly likely for metastatic melanoma with subdural involvement and the subdural involvement, like, and then the more I researched it, I'm just like, this is like six to eight weeks. And I remember I like called you, like I was at work like two days later and I was just like sobbing. So I was like, I can't believe my best friend's going to be dead in two months. It's just like devastating. And so I know a lot of people and I have a lot, really big mouth and I know a lot of medical people and a lot of really smart people. And so I like got on the horn. I started fucking calling everyone. I was like calling, you know, we were calling neuro-oncologists in California and Colorado and sending scans to people and sending reports to people. And like Aiken, um, who's like our other best friend is a PA. And then one of my best friends from home is like a brilliant plastic surgeon. And so I like, and Louisa obviously is a PA too. And so we like had a text. I was like the brain trust. And we were like anyone that, and Kate's trained all over the country. So she's super duper well-connected in the medical field. And she trained at all the top places. She knows all these really smart people. So I was like, you know, she was just opened her own practice like two months ago. So like she is the busiest person that you know. And like she gave so much of her time to try to help us and like figure all this out. And so... You know, just to, so basically the rest of that week, then we decide Megan needs to get admitted to the hospital because I was like, I need a PET scan. I need another MRI. I need a spinal tap. I need all these things. Like, we need to get this done, and this is going to happen inpatient. So Megan kicking and screaming. Literally kicking and screaming. Because if you're inpatient, you get it a lot faster too, correct? Right, right, right. So, like, I mean, like, even, so obviously her, um, they knew that, like, her situation was very 
dire because like she got a PET scan in 24 hours and that was outpatient and usually PET scans take forever to get. So, you know, everyone basically told her on Friday, you'll get the PET scan. We'll hopefully find another spot. We can do a biopsy and then we'll start your chemotherapy on Saturday, essentially. So she gets the PET scan. There was nothing on it. And so then we were like, what do we do from here? And so at this point, I'm like, we have to figure out something. Got advice from a lot of people and got her admitted to the hospital. And so... I mean, so many things happened that it would honestly be impossible to tell, like, the whole entire tale. But so then after that, it was kind of like everything that happened was never what was expected as far as, like, oh, of course the spinal tap will show something. Didn't show anything. Of course the PET scan will show something. Didn't show anything. Of course the MRI, it'll be normal now. wasn't normal. It was the same, right? Yeah, and so no one could explain what was happening, and every person that we talked to was like, I'm not really sure. And so They wouldn't wouldn't ever rule out melanoma, but... They were pointing towards other things, but every doctor that we spoke to had a different opinion. And if you've ever had any medical things happen to you, that's kind of the crazy part about medical. There's no black and white. Well, and I feel like I remember talking to Kara and, that, that's and she the was hard like, part. what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. She was so just like, this is insane. Like just, you were so frustrated. Yeah. Like you were like, like getting different computers to walk at different scans. And like, yeah, it was like, and it's like, I, and it's. I mean, obviously I've been in healthcare for like a long time now and I've, I've said this on this podcast before, but like, I think I'm very empathetic, but not necessarily very sympathetic and like, I feel for people, but also I've never had anyone close to me be sick. And so it was, it, I like my whole body got taken over. Like I was like, I'm going to fix this right fucking now. This, I will not sleep until I have this fixed. Like I was on a rampage. You were, you were Nancy Drew on the case. (laughs) Yes. And unfortunately when she kept saying, you know, you need to be in the hospital, we're going to get answers faster. I didn't want to face reality. So I was just like, no, I want to go home. Like the second a doctor would say, Okay, well, we'll release you. You do a scan in a few months. Kira would, like, walk away for a minute, get on her phone, come back, and be like, excuse me, sir, I hate to break this to you, but no. It was, like, midnight in the ER a Saturday night. Neuro-oncology knew we were coming, and so they come and see us. They're like, an MEOC, right? Yeah, Yeah. and they're like, they were like, and we were recommended to come see them by neuro-oncology, but the guy's like, I don't think that you need anything done, like, emergently, like, let's schedule outpatient. Then neurology came to see him, because the crux of the situation was that, like, uh, you don't have new onset migraines that last for 10 days and have double vision, like true double vision is a neurological finding, which she did have. A, the whole issue was obviously an actual neurological thing, but they just kept explaining it away. So neurology comes in Caesar. The resident was actually like really good and like asking a lot of questions. And then they were like, I think you can go home. It was literally 12 o'clock. And I like went, I went into the ED, like the call room, which as a provider, if someone comes in the call room, that's a patient family. You're like, what the fuck are they doing in here? Like, get out of here. There's the know? call room where all the doctors are. Yeah. And so I like, were you go, working that night? No. no. And so oh, I, you drove there? Oh, this was Memorial no, Day no, weekend. No, we were still at the uh, hospital. Uh, and they uh, were about to discharge yeah. it. Yes. Also Memorial Day weekend. And so then I walked in there and I was like, hey, I'm so sorry. I know so you're gonna- handing me the discharge papers. And Kira goes, really sorry. I hate to do this. But we're actually not going to get discharged tonight. Until we see. I was like, and I was like, uh, we have to get a, 
we need another MRI. Neuroradiology needs to look at this, and we are going to get a spinal tap, like, before we leave. And they're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I always say at the hospital, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And, and it's and, true. like... You know, we bitch about families so much because they're just so aggravating, but, like, you you have to be an advocate for yourself. Yeah, I mean, the one reason why I wanted to do this podcast was you you have to have someone fighting for you in your corner, asking the questions, because had I just gone home, um, I don't know Were you where. still having headaches right then? Sorry to interrupt if you. I, no, you're fine. Um, I wasn't feeling great, but at that point, I was in such shock, and I was also trying to wish everything away. Like, <laughs> Megan, I, you make me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> like, even when they would say, do you have a headache? I would say, well, I had a glass of wine yesterday. Maybe that's my headache. And Kira would just glare at me from the side, like, <laughs> stop talking about that, because I just wanted it to be yeah. something different. Like, Yeah, because then they'll be like, oh, do you drink a lot? And I'm like... Do not tell them how much you yeah. drink. Like, this is not what I need Yeah, right like, now. Kira, and, and again, at the Kira, time... Kira's like, let me speak for no, her. But at the time, I just didn't, I didn't get it. And even when um, she was refusing for us to be discharged, the doctors were looking at me, and they're like, well, you're the patient. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I might die right here if I tell them yeah. that I'm, I'm going to leave this yeah. hospital. Yeah. And so I get admitted, and um, the floor I was on was the epilepsy, like, neuro floor. And um, they wake you up every three hours and they ask you your name. Why are you here? Um, And I remember Louisa stayed with me the first (coughs) night and I did not want to stay. And I said, I'm really afraid they're going to wake me up. And they asked me why I'm here. And I'm going to say, Kira Mendenhall. (laughs) (laughs) And not be able to like actually formulate why I'm in the hospital because I did not want to stay. Now, fast forward five days later. Once I was discharged, I completely understood what she meant because mm-hmm. trying to get an appointment, try, I was trying to meet with neurosurgeons, neuro-oncology, you're weeks and weeks out. I mean, you're... And it, at that point, like, it was, like, and still is kind of a mystery as to, like, what all exactly happened, but, like, I, like at this point, no one knew what was going on, and there was just like so much confusing information that it was like to go see neuro oncology and neurology and neuroradiology and someone that's an interventionalist and all this stuff that takes weeks. Yeah. And in this time, like we at this point, like did not think that it was melanoma, but like cancer had not been ruled out. There was a lot of scary things that had been ruled out, and I'm just like. No, we're not going to fucking be sitting around waiting for shit to happen. We're going to make it happen. No, and thank God that she did that because I, I when you're in the moment, it, you just don't want to hear it. I, I, I can't describe it. It's, it's debilitating. But um, after the fact, when I was discharged, I was like, wait, I can't get anyone to give me an answer. I can't. You don't have a call button. You don't have a yeah, nurse. They're right. not required to come talk to you. They don't answer their phone. They don't have to make you an appointment. Like, you are really all by yourself. And it wasn't until after that that I was so appreciative for all of my friends really fighting for me. And, and then I understood. Right why we did what we did but in the moment she's right kicking and screaming doesn't even put it that way I mean I tried to discharge myself I was like a pain in the ass I wanted to go home so bad but I also just didn't want to deal with what was happening I um it's the worst experience of my life but 
So what's, I think like to, yeah, to like kind of wrap it up. Well, <laughs> no, you I mean, don't have to wrap it, wrap it up because I, just, I do think that there's like so many interesting lessons in this that like even I, as someone that's in healthcare for so long, like learn, but like as far as like what happened from then, it was still a lot of like touch and go more MRIs. Some people think biopsy. Some people think not biopsy. And this is a brain biopsy. So, you know, it's like a big Did you ever deal. have a brain biopsy? So that's the other thing about the brain. So if you're, um, I didn't know this and I'm not medical, but if, if you had something in your liver, your kidney, your arm, anything, they would immediately biopsy I'm it. I'm sure there's something in that liver. <laughs> but, <laughs> but with the brain, that's the absolute last thing that they do because they're cutting open your skull. You're right. doing massive surgery. So that was, they want to rule everything out. So you go through, I mean, I looked at my chart. I went through 118 different tests. And now a word from our new sponsor, which I am super excited about. Clean Your Dirty Face is opening December 16th. They're located in Oyster Park right next to the works, Mount Pleasant. This isn't your typical spa setting. It's a lively, open concept facial bar. It's a clean, non-toxic and fragrance-free 30-minute facial customized for your skin's needs. Sometimes all we have is 30 minutes, you know? The solution to clean, more radiant skin is routine skincare. They created their 30-minute facial not to replace the zen-like experience you get with a spa day, but in terms of skincare, it's the place to visit an esthetician consistently and receive personalized professional skincare in a bright and vibrant setting. Most of their clients say their favorite parts of their ice queens are signature five-point acupressure face massage to help with blood circulation, lymphatic drainage, and obviously relaxation. You'll love it and you might fall asleep. Your first facial is only $35 with promo code VIRGIN. Also, they'll still be selling their founding membership until their opening date, $99 for unlimited facials. Their products are gentle enough. You can get multiple facials a month and you'll definitely have glowing skin. Check them out, cleanyourdirtyface.com. And they still to this day don't even know really what happened. But, but so I think, so like then she had more MRIs. It was still there. You know, I'm, and the thing is like at this point, I'm like, I'm like, I really want a biopsy, but also if something happens and then you push for it and nothing happens, then you're like the one that's like, oh shit, sorry, I just fucked up your head, you know? Right. And so it's yeah. like, um, cause the thing is like, you know, as Aiken loves to say, our rheumatologist friend, like tissue is king. And so to get a definitive diagnosis, you need tissue. And so like, we've never had that. And so we still, so she had more MRIs, then some things kind of cleared up as far as the lesions and like on the MRIs, the tumors started to basically shrink. So I don't know if we want to call them tumors anymore. They were calling them tumors. Um, okay. Lesions. lesions. They are now smaller and by the last one, um, essentially almost gone. Um, so let's go to how, like, sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but like, so when you, all of a sudden, like you guys are going through all this shit and like, I mean, I talked to Kira about it like every day. I was like, how's Megan? Oh my gosh, what's going oh, on? Like sorry. I was just so brokenhearted for y'all. But you, when you start noticing that they're shrinking, like, are you like, okay, I'm starting to feel a little hopeful or like. Not really. Um, they also didn't start shrinking until. Because she had three MRIs initially separately that all showed the same thing. So and that I had was like four, a few months. And I had four lesions in different spots. So um, I was feeling like maybe I wasn't dying, but I felt like something is still very wrong. Mm-hmm. So I did feel better. I felt better, but I was also in my own personal hell. I would say um, the the period of time between like being released from the hospital and then a couple 
I th- it was like two and a half months for my next MRI. And when was that? Uh, from July to end of August. This year. Yeah. Um, that was, I remember calling Kira having an absolute mental breakdown and I really hadn't had one. Like I'd cried, but she's like, what, what happened? I'm like, I just, everything started rushing through my head. Yeah. Like you were like in shock and And you're by yourself and, or I was by myself and I just felt so like, didn't know what was, didn't know what was going on. No one had given me an answer. A few things had been taken off the table, but not enough. And I was just reeling. And, um, so you have to also understand, like we, this Megan was the worst person for this to happen to. Thanks, Kira. She does not understand anything about medicine, which I know a lot of people don't, but she also is just very anxious. Yes. I have always had anxiety and I feel like we're kind of similar (laughs) I mean I will say though for curious that there's no one that could take this on um no No, I'm not I'm not saying no but but y'all and but y'all had like some moments where you laughed oh okay then we had we had some pretty good times I will say like like I don't know if I could do that you think I could do that you know I'm kind of a well a sad person at her her very most recent appointment which was like three weeks ago. Yeah. So I'd, so at yeah. her, fi- like the last appointment she had with the neuro-oncologist who like had really been trying to figure out what this was. And then they thought it was like this. Um, anyways. So she, um, so she was like, I know this has been a really long road. And I was like, hold on. Well, that's not what happened. I said, I was crying and I said, and you this were there, Kira, the, right? Kira, yeah. Kira came, Kira came with me to so many appointments and I was crying and, and it was actually good news. She was saying like, Hey, we, you know, I don't think you have cancer. I don't know what is going on, but you know, I think you're good. And I'm, and Kira's looking at me like, yay. Oh my gosh, it's so exciting. And I said, you know, it's just been a really long road and there's tears streaming down my face. And Kira looks at me and goes, well, you know, in the beginning it was looking like a very short road. <laughs> God, Kira, you're so, you the, so un- the oncologist goes, wow, that was dark, but true. So, I mean, to be honest, like, you know, when it started, I had two to four months to live and this happened. I got the all clear, uh, five months from the original diagnosis or. And essentially the final theory of what happened was that she had a hyperimmune response to some kind of virus, maybe COVID, maybe not. Did you know you had COVID before that? I had COVID at Kira's bachelorette in October. Um, and then I don't know if having at after, sorry, after Kira's <laughs> bachelorette, Kira's bachelorette gave me COVID. Let me clarify, um, in Park City. So um, that was in October of last year. And then, truthfully, I really had been sick a lot since then. But yeah, so we're not really sure what all happened. But essentially, that she had this hyperimmune response that then caused lesions in her brain, and she did technically have a stroke in the sense that like blood flow is blocked off to her brain oh that will gosh. never be like she'll never get that so part of her brain back i can't smell oh, i remember Karen and I were talking about this the other day i'm like how like smelling they say is 90 or 95 percent of eating um so i can taste but i can't smell anything which like is nothing no like nothing even coffee no like if you had coffee right in front of her face she can't no smell. Aiken did a smell test on me brought all these things that hot sauce garlic not nothing 
But like one of the one of the lesions in her olfactory cleft, which like controls your smell, and that was the biggest one. And so essentially, they don't know if she'll like ever get that back because, like, there was so much inflammation from whatever this crazy response is that it like blocked off blood flow to that part of her brain. That is crazy. Yeah, and the everyone asked me like, "What are you gonna do without any sense of smell?" And my biggest fear is. What if something's on fire and I don't have any Yeah, you definitely idea. need to make sure those are, like, have batteries in them. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, I'm like, if this is the worst thing that happens, I mean, we went from thinking I had two to four months to live to, okay, I can't smell ever again. Okay, I'll take that. Yeah. That, that seems like a big win in my book. Um, I'm so freaking lucky to be able to come out of this so many people don't i mean being in the hospital you're around all these people are so sick that's so megan was like she was like where are their families and i was like they're not here like a lot of people are probably chronically ill especially you know the epilepsy unit and i was like and their families have to like deal with their own shit and you know they're at work and like also some people don't have anyone and she's like i just can't believe these people are just here alone yeah it was it was heartbreaking looking and seeing they're all by themselves, and then here in my room, which is tiny, I've got eight girls ganged up, like, you know, the <laughs> nurses come in, and they're like, whoa, part of your room, you yeah. know? And the nurse, the first time, was like, you know, if you want to put anything in this fridge, well, by day five, I think they wanted to kick me out, because we had taken over the entire nurse's <laughs> fridge. With yeah, food, like, alcohol? Of both, and they're like, uh... We, I need somewhere to put my lunch. I'm like, okay, we probably need to clean this out. Yeah. But, I mean, I was so fortunate that I had that. Um, looking across the way, no one else on that floor had that. It yeah. was... Um, so, anytime, I, you know, my mom would say, hey, you know, maybe we have a alone moment. I'm like, I don't want an alone moment. I don't want to be the person across the hall. I... I'm so thankful of all these girls that are putting their lives on hold to come and make sure that I'm okay and to make me feel like I'm not alone. So do you feel like, and this is super cliche to say, but like you have a second lease on life? At first I didn't because I think it was just shock. I was like, I don't know what's going on. Um, I do feel like every day now, I, um, whenever I get negative, I just think, wow, like things would be so much worse. I could be in the hospital. I could be dead. I could be on chemo. There's all these different things that run through my head, and I do feel like God let me be here for a reason. And I don't know what that reason is, but I'm here to do something greater and have a greater purpose. And I'm just so happy that um, call it a miracle, call it a misdiagnosis. I don't I know. I call what it a it miracle. Is. But I um, told Kira at the beginning, I said, I'm praying. She yeah. goes, that's not, I think you said something like, that's not going to do anything. No, I wouldn't say that because I do believe in the power of prayer and maybe not in the way that some other people do. But like, I, I am also like a science person. And it's like, when you see something like that, it like kind of takes your breath away. You're like, fuck. Like, yeah. As my mom said, fuck, when she got the call. I think, like, one of the things that really struck me about it, and we have, like, an amazing group of, like, 15 best friends from college, and then she has her separate high school friends. And so I think that, you know, some people, they ask for a lot of help. Like, I ask for a lot of help in the fact that I'm, like, very needy. And so, like, I always know there's people there to help me. But I think a lot of people don't realize, like, 
how many people there are in their lives, like that they have this amazing support system that's willing to lift them up, like if they need it. And I hate that it takes things like that to be so lifted up. But like Megan was just in shock by like how many kind people like reached out to her, did things for her, like sent just like, you know, thoughts and words and like that they're supportive of her. And it's just like, like, I wish there was a way to like, do that without having yes. to be told you're dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Because I I knew that I had the best friends, but holy hell, you know, get the news I got and it it was incredible. I, I was never alone. They they were always with me, even the girls from afar. Flowers, a text, a call. I mean, I just couldn't have felt more supportive and supported and just it was incredible, but I hate that it hate that it took that. And I, I, I hear what you're saying. Like it's, yeah, it's like that. I just, I wish people could feel like the love that's available to them at all times without like having to have something tragic happen, you know, cause it's like all around you that and don't have something tragic happen to you to realize <laughs> that life is so precious and you don't know what's going to happen from day to day. So just fucking have fun every day. Do what you want to do. Go. As long as you're having fun, you're doing something right. You know, that quote, buy the shoes, go on the vacation, spend the money, (laughs) you know, do it. So um, it shouldn't take having a near-death experience um, to get to that point. But for me, I guess that's what it took. Well, what are the next steps for whatever? I mean... They just keep doing it. So the best, actually the best thing is, is my last appointment, which was, I believe, October 16th, um, I had another PET scan, another MRI, and absolutely nothing was there. And they actually, the neuro-oncologist, which she get cleared by a neuro-oncologist is crazy. She said, you don't need another scan, no appointment, nothing, unless you have symptoms. And I said, I. She said, bye, see you later. She's like, I won't tell anyone if I have symptoms. <laughs> well, I was thinking that, but I'm like, yeah, if I have a headache, I'm not saying a thing. But, um, I, you know, she um, actually, I have zero follow-ups, which is crazy because I've, for the past five months, I'm so used to looking at my chart mm-hmm. and, you know, see my chart, like, what's next? Oh, okay, I have this scan, this, you know, because that's just I mean, been my pe- life. Are the doctors, like, what in the, are people, like, fascinated? Like, are they studying this they, anywhere? Um, about halfway through, they were like, you're going to be a case study. And they still just don't know. But now there's nothing really to go after. Um, essentially, I think the last summer I said that it was essentially de- dissolved in terms of tumors or lesions. Um, so they really don't know what happened. There's a chance that I have some weird autoimmune disease or, you know, and it could come back, but we're not going to think about that. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to wish it away. <laughs> I'm going to manifest that away and bye-bye. Not happening. I mean, and you're, I'm sure your mom must be so happy. Oh, my mom. It, she's my rock, my everything. I, she's so, I think she's, we were talking the other day and um, we were just saying like, I feel like I beat cancer. She's like, it does feel like it, even though I didn't <laughs> because of everything that we went through. Yeah. It doesn't really matter what was there or not. Yeah. We were going through it totally. like I was dying. Yeah. So it doesn't, I don't know how else to say it. It, it was a, a ride. 
I know. I remember one day when I was like really at the height of losing it. And like, it was like, I'd got, I like did not want to go to class because you know, the only, like I say to Sarah, sometimes it's like hard to come here if you're like in a really dark place because you know, everyone, you know? And so I was like worked out on the second row, which is how, you know, I was really in a dark place. <laughs> She's a front row gal. And, and afterwards I said to Sarah, I was like, I can, I was like, I was like lost it. I was like, I can't believe all this time I was never like, I wasn't as present for you as I should have been for Mindy, which is one of her friends that passed away recently from cancer. And I was like, or that Kay died of cancer or your mom. And I was like, I can't believe I wasn't there for you. And she's like, Sarah, always so gracious, but she's like, you don't know what you don't know. And I was just like, I had no idea like what it was like to deal with like someone you love so much. That's like having an issue, like any kind of health scare. That's that scary. And Sarah was like, you're fine. And then she walked away. She's like, you forgot about grace. (laughs) (laughs) And Kira said, she was just a baby. (laughs) I said it was different. different." (laughs) I was like, okay, goodbye. in a different way. <laughs> no, but, uh, um, like, I've had a friend recently who passed away at 35, got diagnosed with the esophageal cancer, within four weeks was gone, and really, you can go so quickly. Like, I, not everyone walks out of the hospital with good news. Not everyone gets to go on Instagram and post, yay, I'm done, yeah. I don't have to go back. There are so many, I am an anomaly, you are. Yeah. The, the other... The, in many ways. Yeah. <laughs> in many ways. <laughs> but there are so many people that don't know. And to to wrap it back to what you're saying is, if you haven't been there, you don't really know how to connect with anybody else because you only know what you know. Mm-hmm. You Your worst part of your life is only your worst part of your life. Mm-hmm. That could be a breakup. That could be... Yep. It could look like many things. And uh, now mine is a near death experience. But if you'd asked me last year, it'd have been like, Oh, I was uh, worried about paying my bills. Like, yeah, just not really. It's all in context and what you've been through. Totally. And it really is true. Like when they say like, cause you know, you just take your health for granted so much, especially when you're young. And then like, if you like people say like, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. And like my mom always like talks about it. Cause like out of my nuclear family and really my grandparents, it's like, no one has ever really been sick. And so it's like, it's, you just take it for granted yeah. when there's so many people, like you were saying that are like, this is kind of their life and they're dealing with all these like complex medical issues and don't have anyone to watch out for them. And it's just like, yeah, we're blessed. Yeah. S- so blessed. I mean, it's an amazing story. It really, I mean, it's, it's wild. I mean, that, like, literally, it's, like, once you start talking about it, you're, like, wow, we could tell this story for five days, and it still wouldn't tell everything. Yeah, well, that's, I know, and it's, like, we don't have the time for you to get into everything. I just remember so many times talking to you, and you're, like, you won't understand. There's so many things. And then this person has to get this file, and this person has to explain it, but they have to get this other person to read it. And I just, I gotta go. I gotta go. You know? Well, I mean, we had, we had Louisa and Aiken chasing down a radiology tech at Roper on us on Memorial Day weekend on Saturday at 9 a.m., and, like, saying, like, we know the files are in there like we were just like hellbent yeah so on a saturday of memorial day weekend we needed to get my images i remember because kira's like uh you're 37 we're not you're not going down like this so we go to um east cooper and they're like yeah sorry radiology's closed and aiken's like 
we're not fucking leaving without this disc. And we, by golly, didn't leave without that disc. Well, because I remember I'd been, I'd been like at Megan's house at her side calling vigil for like 72 hours. And I said, I'm going to work out. And when I get done, y'all better have this fucking disc. <laughs> and so Aiken's like, we can't leave without the disc. I remember you but were like, guess what? You, we got the disc and guess what we didn't have? A fucking DVD reader. That's what Carter, uh, Carter that's what Kira was saying. Cause she was like, so we, gotta- we had to go to Target. There were two in stock and I'm thinking there's no <sighs> way this DVD player is in stock. Then my kitchen just becomes an IT center because they're just trying to read these scans and get it to all these doctors on Memorial Day weekend. It was just insane. Every piece of the puzzle was insanity. I I think to know. wrap this up, the moral of the story is never give up hope. Yep. Never give up hope. And, and if you have a terrible diagnosis, call me. Yeah, call Kira. <laughs> or have an advocate that can look out for you because... Even if you think you know what's going on, you really don't. And you need someone who's going to ask the questions, look out for you, and be there to fight when you have no energy and when you just want to go home and lay down in your bed. You want the friends and family around you that are going to say, no, we are not leaving until we get answers. And we're not. That's what you need. And don't be scared to rely on your support system, even if it's not for something that's, like, as extreme as this. And, like, to be, like, that supportive of the people around you, like, to make sure they're okay. And I also think, too, one last thing. Kira, before this happened, has this brilliant idea for a new business. Yeah. She needs to do it. And if anyone is interested in it, you should reach out to her and be her backer because... It is genius, and it's so needed, and I think everyone could get really rich off of it, too. Perfect. That's what I need. So let's close out by saying... uh, We love you, Megan. I'm happy you're alive. Megan, where can the people find you on social media? Um, Instagram, Megan with an H before the G, Peterson. And that's just one word? Yes. Okay, and we all know where you can find you, but go ahead. Kira Gonzalez, K-I-I-R-A-G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-Z. By the time you hear this, the 12 days of Christmas will be over, and I will not be making anything for you. We are going to download. We're going to have a big download after the 12 days of Kira (laughs) having a fucking mental breakdown. (laughs) I slept for two hours last night. Uh, Sarah, you have seen, I came home today, and in the splatter tent, you already showed them. Kira had actually splattered her eyeball. Yeah. With paint. Yeah, in her tent. Her meth tent. My meth tent. All right, you guys, share this one with your friends. I I love this episode. I'm so glad you're okay. And I think this episode is just wow. Um, Rate us, review us, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Love you.